0: You're listening to Two Girls, One
1: Crossword. This episode brought to you by Illuminati. No, we shouldn't joke about that. <laughs> no, we shouldn't. Also brought to you by Dr. Phil. <laughs> I wish. Actually, no, I don't trust Dr. Phil. and no. he's definitely in the Illuminati. Okay, if anyone is, he's not he a is, real
0: doctor. First of all, wake up sheeple. Second of not, all, his teeth are fake. They te- have to be. <laughs> his whole head is fake. That's They're like, like him a, and that's Joe a bald Biden, cap, for sure. <laughs> you think he has
1: a full head of hair under there? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely you can you don't, don't trust that man first well, some of Some people all. think dr phil is kid rock and they do look alike actually <laughs> their faces look alike in fact phil, dr phil dressed up as kid rock for halloween one episode
0: um that's amazing also if i get close enough to dr phil i'm ripping that bod cap off and that's a fact he heard it here first
1: so all right well uh good evening everyone <laughs> and welcome to two girls one crossword your favorite weekly Podward crosscast i'm grace and i'm chelsea oh my god Wait. we did a good time that a,
0: a good intro that time
1: <laughs> yeah and then we fucked it up after <laughs>
0: sorry i fucked it up grace did amazing that was crystal clear you know very beautiful
1: me me, me, me me i've been practicing all day i took today off work just to practice that intro it's crazy
0: yeah um you did a great
1: job <laughs> <laughs> so you all owe me a vacation day that's okay. true all right uh, well do we have co- i think you have a correction from last week do i didn't you call francis heaney a Oh, no, no, no. Okay, so Francis Heaney is a crossword constructor,
0: but there's oh. a, <laughs> there was a historian that I continuously, I, I think, I didn't go back and re-listen to my section, but I might have referred to this historian, Francis Stoner Saunders, as a he, using the he pronouns. I believe they are a woman. So <gasps> a, the she pronoun wow. should have been used there. And I, I apologize to anybody just, who was offended. I offended another myself.
1: another example of giving credit to a man. I know. When it really belongs to a woman.
0: You know, I can't, I can't unlearn Tsk. these habits. <laughs>
1: yeah. that's And that's on internalized massaging. <laughs> ding, ding,
0: ding. Beautiful. Um, but that's my corrections corner for this week. So thanks for joining. Shall we get into our heights and shites then? We should get into the heights and shites. You want to
1: kick us off? Well, this is like, it's kind of a, it's in the shite category, but it's more of what is this? And okay. maybe you can help me. Yes. On the New York Times Wednesday... By Jacob Weisblot. Sixty-four across, December first question mark. And the answer was D E E. What is that? What does that mean? D E E. Oh, December first. Like the first letter of December is a D.
0: Oh, probably. Yeah. I hate when they do that, honestly.
1: I thought it was like a holiday, like New Year's Eve. I was like, Descend it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, like the day Christ descended from eternal uh, 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 elevation. That wasn't on December 1st. (laughs) No, just trying to make up a Christmas holiday or something. No, I don't like when they, I personally am not a fan of when they have like these little sections where it's like they have to spell out how a word or how a letter sounds. Yeah, I don't like like it either, but it's a necessary evil. Sometimes it happens. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. I mean, I don't like when the sun's out, but you know, we need it to live apparently, so...
1: Apparently. We are. Well, some people had in the same puzzle, there was a lot of drama about 14 across Tell or 14 me down. I don't think I did this puzzle. Major component of chili, and the answer was beans. <laughs> and some people okay. were very upset about that. Why? I don't know. Well, oh, cuz apparently in Texas, I believe, they don't put beans in their chili. It's like to have beans in your chili what? now me sometimes i make a chili that's just beans a tri-bean chili if you will no meat at all and veggie like, chili like how do you have yeah. veggie chili with like you just put well tomatoes? i feel like people who are very into chili don't believe that veggie chili is a thing but you need to expand your expand your horizons okay baby.
0: expand your horizons veggie chili is amazing my dad who like grew up eating meat his entire life you know like steak and you know potatoes kind of guy one of his favorite dishes he he discovered was vegetarian chili and he will make it so much of it that he will freeze it and have it for like a whole year in the, the freezer that he can pull it out whenever he wants it. So, you know, my dad mostly eats vegetarian now anyway, but at the time (laughs) it was a big revelation and now veggie chili are
1: expanded. That's what won him over. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess it says major component of chili. Maybe that's like the wording. Okay. I just have to say Texas is not
0: the whole world. I mean, I love. I don't know. I don't know Texas, if it's just but. Texas.
1: <laughs> That's what I gathered on Twitter. it Could be the South. I don't know. Okay. But yes, I like beans in my chili, and it is a major component of my chili. I would never make chili without some type of beans. I agree. Did you know that in the Midwest,
0: like particularly in like Nebraska, um, when you go, you eat chili, you eat chili with cinnamon rolls.
1: I have heard that before. I've never done it. I guess. Um, I mean, anything tastes good in. Yeah, I mean, chili. I love cinnamon rolls. I
0: love chili. Uh, chili is really good when you add a little bit of like cinnamon to it it kind of
1: enhances the tomato flavor so i mean why not have both there was a dining hall in my freshman year of college that made there's two one made their chili with cinnamon and one didn't so i would always go to the one with cinnamon and i ate that chili literally every day for lunch that's amazing that was I, me I put, in college. Uh, in my homemade pasta sauce, I put cinnamon.
0: It's the key. It just elevates yeah. the dish, okay? It's a little trick. Your friends will be like, Ooh, what's this? And you say, like, I, I don't know, know how much of a trick it is. I feel like it's well known. But <laughs> well, some people you heard it don't here first, it, potentially. Potentially, potentially. Anyway, that's that's a great, interesting little debate. I would say yeah. beans for life. Yeah, they're good for
1: you. They make you fart and stuff. Good for your heart and
0: stuff. Ah, ha, ha. Uh, did you do the Sunday Waypo? I did. I loved this puzzle a lot. A big boy. Oh my God. It was massive. I think it was 27 by 23. That was like the grid size. It's Just huge. Um, It was kind of intimidating to start off with, but I wanted to talk about the theme, which I really enjoyed. So the theme, the puzzle was titled all around player and the info read reading clockwise from top left. The circled squares will spell out an actor born on September 6th and his apt TV role. So the first letter of all of the answers going around the outside of the grid uh, spelled out Idris Elba and then continued to spell out Luther, which was um, a popular TV show that he was in. Um, Love that. But the, like, additional twist is related to 94 Across. 94 Across, NBA star born on September 6th, and a hint to this puzzle's edges. And the answer was John Wall. And so all of the names, of all of the the answers going around the outside of the board were all John's. So John Irving, John Ireland, John Stamos, John Belushi, John Adams, John Updike, John Evan, etc., etc., and just kept going all the way around. So this puzzle came out on the 6th, which was Idris Elba's birthday. It was also John (laughs) Wall's birthday, and we got all the Johns. Luther, the main character's name of Idris Elba's TV show, is John Luther. I don't know. I just thought it was a really well I
1: done, done. i off. did not put the theme together at all ah. i just like filled it out without that um yeah i don't know <laughs> sometimes you get it sometimes you don't <laughs> sometimes you don't i didn't even look to see what it was idris elba his name was made to be in crosswords though just yes, the way like two was. four letter words um, i wonder if his parents I'd, were crossword solvers and they were like we have to name him this maybe okay that's why i'm gonna name my future daughter Arya. <laughs> um 31 i did like 31 down that it referenced john stamos from full house because yeah. weirdly i've been on a i watched all of full house now i'm watching all of sister sister so i'm just like going okay. back to my 90s amazing nostalgia john stamos man that was
0: that was a that was an era
1: for me loving
0: him john in stamos full house.
1: he is so attractive i mean he's attractive now but in full house i
0: know Unbelievable! I yeah, I, I want to get off on that tangent. because We've gone for a long even time, go. but
1: uh, in that puzzle, I did like one fifty-seven down. Nice version of me? Question mark. Oh, was, moi.
0: Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I also liked uh, forty-six down. phrase about an exciting event that may be typed with a fire emoji, and the answer was it's lit. So I filled that in. I was like, I don't know if this is it, but it should be.
1: <laughs> and then yeah, I was, was happy to
0: see that it was. Yeah. I also liked. 101 across, make doodles of poodles, say. And the answer is draw. It's like, okay, fine. Mm -hmm. But then it was related to 51 across, like the reference to poodles in 101 across. And the answer was random. So I just thought that that was fun that they connected. Evan
1: Bernholz is so random. You're so random and we just love it about you. I didn't. Um, I liked that. The poodle reference as well. Yeah,
0: I always have a good time doing the Sunday Weipo. Whereas like doing the Sunday New York Times, sometimes I want to rip my hair out. So yeah,
1: no, the way fun and I like to do it on my on my iPad. Ooh. Makes it easier. I can also like check then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I do a lot. Sometimes um, you gotta check. You gotta check. When you're doing something that big, it's like you just gotta check. You just gotta check. What I liked the USA Today Right Guard by Sheen Bernikel. Mm-hmm. This was yesterday, the yeah. September 9th. Um this clue just made me laugh cuz we see emu all the time as an answer it's crossword. Ease. I like this one but <laughs> it was 5 down bird with muscular legs. I was like, you're right actually emus do have muscular legs because I've gone to this drive-through um it's like a drive-through safari park in Tennessee, you know, yeah. there's not much to do there but they have ostriches there which are similar to emus and they are huge yeah, and they are well, muscular. Mm-hmm. Their legs are like thick yeah. but they just look skinny compared to the rest of their bodies and they come right up to you and they have blue eyes and it's just it's a whole They're thing like, but Hello? yes their legs are muscular but
0: it's weird to think of bird birds that right. way right but when you think of like muscular legs i think of like you know thick tree trunk legs which makes yeah. me think of emus with these massive tree trunk <laughs> legs which is just a sight to their have. legs
1: are are basically all muscle though ratio of like muscle to okay. fat it's yeah pure, pure muscle baby okay do not
0: try to outrun an emu or an ostrich because.
1: No, they're fast. I would like to ride fast. one, but I think it's cruel. But I think it's also funny. <laughs> but I probably wouldn't do it, but it is funny to watch
0: when people you, ride them. If you become really frail in your old age, and you know, like you're like, very light,
1: you know, bucket if list the, it. if the emu is into it, we'll then maybe ask we first. Make consent yeah. is important. It is. Um, I. Liked the USA Today puzzle from Friday thirty uh, by Margit Christen- Christensen, ears to the ground, 33 across, after she gave a shout out to Miami, honorific in Hialeah, and it's senor. Is like Hialeah that. a place Hi- in? Yes, the neighborhood in Miami that is majority Cuban. Hmm, very nice. How is that spelled? Hialeah, H-I-A-L-E-A-H. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Anyways, I've... Saw that, I was like, oh, I know what that is. But I didn't know if other people would know what it, uh, what it was. So. I would have
0: had no idea. Yeah. None at all. But very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, did you do the Wednesday New Yorker, September 9th by Natan Last, by chance? I didn't. This was a really good one. Um, I liked the opening clue. I mean, the opening answer is also good, but the clue itself is fun. One across, Civilization and Disney's The Emperor's New Groove. And the answer is Inca. Mm-hmm. Um... Another really good one was 15 across. I thought this was very creative. Uh, no pun intended or to the actual clue and answer. One working overtime in story production, question mark. And the answer is Wild Imagination. Very creative.
1: Oh, I do like that. I like that a lot.
0: Yeah. Um, 33 across was Bud Alternative, question mark. And I was trying to think of like, I don't know. Pow. S- C- or CBD or like yep. uh, I don't know, um, but the answer is PBR instead of Bud Light, like oh, PBR. Got it, got it, got it. Uh, Thirty-one down from that puzzle. Why you little dot 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 was in quotes, and the answer is son of a, which was fun. <laughs> um, and then forty-three across. This one's tricked, uh, stumped Matt and I for a bit. Certain obscene gesture colloquially, I always mess it up. Um, and the answer was one finger salute, but we had two finger salute in for a while um, mm-hmm. because the two finger salute is the V sign, which I talked about in a previous episode. Um, and the V sign is an obscene gesture in the UK, but the one finger salute is the middle finger here in the US. So it tricked me, tripped me up, but gotcha. I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Also. Another good one from that puzzle, five down. Anarchist labor slogan. Uh, and the answer was, no god, no masters. And I was like, that is a great, you know, clue that, that's and good answer. That's a crossword, fill. It is. It's really nice. Fun. So that was a really good puzzle overall. I always really enjoy Natan's puzzles.
1: Yeah. The New Yorkers are always fun, too. I didn't do any this week. Um, I did do the incubator, though.
0: Oh, I think you have to, we have to resubscribe to the Amer- uh, american values club by the way
1: as like a side yeah. note just you know some business keeping um <laughs> this is the september 3rd crossword by debbie ellerin fab number four no sorry the name was themeless number 11 sorry i'm doing these off my across light and i feel like they don't show the titles i don't know but debbie ellerin is the constructor and i liked 17 across woman who's made a tidy sum question mark marie kondo
0: <gasps> oh my god that's so cute
1: yeah isn't it very nice mm-hmm.
0: shout out um, to marie kondo Loving yeah the whole
1: that whole puzzle was fun the, the incubators are always fun if you're looking for good indie crosswords to do uh, They're um, they're constructed by women or women aligned
0: constructors so yeah
1: i feel like some this one was good because it wasn't too hard sometimes they can be really really challenging which some people may like i have you (laughs) and I struggle with with the challenging ones so but the ones that are like moderately challenging I usually find they have like good funny cluing and yeah nice and creative yeah and I also find that
0: you know we're not you know these incredible crossword solvers so if we get stumped we will look up answers and I think that's kind of like how you start learning um more trivia and also just learning more about how crosswords are constructed and why uh a constructor might put certain words in, or use certain clues, or how they phrase clues can kind of, you know, lead you to believe one answer or another. Um, so I don't have a problem with like looking up answers if it gets to that point. But yeah. when you're doing an indie puzzle, it's <laughs> it tends to be difficult to look up answers because they're not the syndicated puzzles where every clue ever done in the New York Times ever you can find like that yeah, on you the just internet. Google it. Just Google it. You can't really Even Google some up. of the. I know exactly. Some of the indie ones you cannot often Google. So. No. If it's if it's a tricky one, you're 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 stumped for good for life. Your sol,
1: well. yeah. All um, right. Well, that,
0: that's all I got for you. That's all I got too. Should we uh, move into the coin flip? Yes. Let's do it, baby.
1: All do right, it to all it. All
0: right. I am flipping the coin now. <laughs> Who will it be? <gasps> It's heads. That's you. It's me. Okay. I guess we should just get into it then. Um, my topic <laughs> comes from the Wednesday, September 9th USA Today puzzle by Zhaoshin Bernacal. 35 down. Dessert that wobbles. Jell-O. Jell-O. I knew you
1: were going to pick this one. When I saw it, I was like, this is a Chelsea.
0: <laughs> Did you? Re- I thought this yeah. was. I thought you could potentially do Jell-O too, honestly, because it's I just I thought that strange. we had already done it before. No, we have no, not. No, we haven't. But it is something that I would do, obviously, because I'm doing it. Aha! Uh-huh. For those of you who are new listeners, I tend to like food topics. Not all the time. I try and you know space them out because Grace is like, of course, cool, she's doing a food one again. <laughs> Chelsea has her own podcast where she just talks about food. To myself, I have one listener. It's, it's actually it's private. Yeah, <laughs> you have to be invited to be able to listen. Uh, and I'm not currently accepting any new listeners right now. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Um, okay, so before we get into Jell-O as a brand, we're going to talk a little bit about what Jell-O is and where it comes from. Um, so what is Jell-O? Horse uh, hooves. Horse hooves. Uh, not really. To put it simply, yeah. it is gelatin. Um, Jell-O as a brand uh, is spelled J-E-L-L hyphen O, uh, but it's generalized as Jell-O sans hyphen. Jell-O as a brand got its name from gelatin which comes from the latin word gelatus which means stiff or frozen gelatin is a protein produced from like the collagen of boiled animal bones so not specifically horse hooves
1: just you okay, know but they do use horse hooves
0: they probably do use a lot of animals bones and Mm -hmm. things to make all types of gelatin um so basically it's boiled animal bones connective tissue and other animal products vagueness there that is not what jello looks like it is at all (laughs) no 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 Uh, it has been used regularly in food preparation since the 15th century which is the 1400s for anybody out there (laughs) that gets confused um your basic gelatin is translucent colorless and flavorless which is interesting thinking like it comes from potentially horse hooves and other animal bones you boil them down and then now you've got this like tasteless goo goo. basically it's science and food are just so crazy they're so random Mm -hmm. um when it's dry it's very brittle but when it is moist it is very gummy okay i'm sure we've all seen gummy or moist jello you know oh yeah it's got that like gumminess to it it's got that jiggle. Uh, it has a, a little bit of a oh, jiggle. Um, <laughs> not only is jello used in foods, you can also use it in medicine, uh, like drug or vitamin capsules, photo paper, film, um, and cosmetics. You will find jello, or gelatin, I should say, in those products.
1: Yeah, it's what I use for blush. Just put a little, rub some jello on my cheeks, call it a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's good for you. Yeah, it's
0: all it is is horf, horse hooves.
1: Mm-hmm. It's natural. It's natural. <laughs>
0: Gotta love the natural horse hoof blush that I got today. Um, So in order to make gelatin, you, like I said, you essentially boil down these animal scraps, right? Um, And it releases this collagen, which then eventually, like when it kind of sets, becomes this like gelatinous blob. Uh, The earliest evidence of people using gelatin is in, um, it's kind of like as a basic glue that people would use in cave paintings, um, but we actually start seeing gelatin used regularly in foods somewhere around the 1400s, and the foods that had gelatin in them in the 1400s were known as jellies. Okay, and these were gelatin-based savory dishes where pigs' ears and feet were boiled and then filtered into special bags um, to like make, you know, fun shapes and things. Uh, and at the time, it was like a new way to like shape your food, and also introduce like a different texture to familiar foods.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it was important. It was also important because it elongated shelf life and prevented spoilage of meat and vegetables. So not only were you like shaping food differently and having new and fun textures, but you were like keeping your food longer because they didn't have refrigerators, folks. Okay, don't believe what you read on the internet. They don't have refrigerators they don't. in the fourteen hundreds. Um, and at the end of the medieval era is kind of when jellies started evolving more into the sweet realm, because at this point, they was basically just savory. Um, and so now, at the end of the medieval era, we have savory jellies and sweet jellies. And then from the 16th to the 19th century, you see many variants of jelly food throughout like many cultures, for instance, In Japan, in the 1600s, there's this Kyoto innkeeper, right? And he noticed that there was some congealed seafood soup that he'd thrown away outside. And it kind of held up over various, like, freezings and thawings, like, in the winter. Uh, So he was like, okay, this is interesting. And he shared this discovery with a relative, and they began processing red seaweed into a product called canton which is now known as agar uh, which is a natural vegetable gelatin counterpart which is perfect for vegan or vegetarian like substitutions if you're trying to make like a jelly or like a gelatin recipe is it
1: really vegan or vegetarian if it's made out of bones well no so this version (laughs) is just made out of
0: seaweed like red seaweed yeah so if you're trying to do like a vegan gelatin thing you can use agar or agar well, agar
1: i wonder if that's what i know like swedish fish are vegan because they don't have gelatin in them but they still have that gummy right exactly there are some gummy foods
0: that are you know vegan because they probably use uh, agar or some version of algae there's also another version um of like Uh, a vegetarian you know gelatin counterpart that it is used or has been used for centuries in um, northern europe it's called irish moss it's an uh, a red algae which you basically boil with milk strain it then you add other flavorings like sugar vanilla brandy whiskey Um, and it the end product is kind of like tapioca or panna Mm -hmm. cotta like that kind of jelly consistency Um, and it's also vegan friendly so there are ways to create that like gelatinous like jiggly, you know texture. Gummy Yeah, exactly. Vibe. Yeah. Without, you know, boiling it up your your the hoof of your your horse. (laughs) Keep your horse. We don't need it yet. Yeah, keep your horse. Keep your horse's hoof. Um let's not jump the gun yet. Um so yeah, we've got those kinds of gelatins. But then we also have the rise of aspics. Okay. Um and aspics are basically dishes that are set into gelatin made from meat stock so instead of it being like this flavorless tasteless like clear gelatin the gelatin would then be flavored like meat essentially without going into how it's made Um, Mm -hmm. and aspects have kind of been around in some variation in some form since the 10th century there's an early Arabic cookbook called Khatib al-Tabik that has a recipe for a fish aspect called karis or karis. Uh, it's made by boiling fish heads with vinegar, vegetables, and spices. The, the fish heads would eventually be removed, um, and the vinegar cooking liquid would, would cool um, and like become like gelatin, essentially, and you would eat that.
1: How do these people think of these things? Certainly,
0: I have no idea. <laughs> Like, the guy from Japan, he threw out his seafood soup, and it, like, uh, became a gelatinous like gelatinous blob
1: outside on the floor. And he I've was definitely like, had leftovers here. turn into gelatinous, gelatinous uh, material, right. but I would never think to do anything with them. I'm just like, ooh. Yeah, and you're like, ooh, <laughs> this
0: is disgusting. Well, people yeah. back in the 1415 and 1600s were eating that.
1: See? Yeah. Well... Jell is already invented. You know, back then there was so much stuff left to invent.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? We we have the fast brand now, the instant jello. We don't need yeah. to go through all the, 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 the struggle. Um, okay, so that's, you know, early versions of aspics that were found in like the tenth century, right? But then aspics became popular in Europe around the eighteenth century and became a huge hit with the upper class. Uh, they were usually clear, savory jellies molded into showpiece centerpieces containing whole or sliced ingredients okay that
1: sounds like some rich bullshit
0: <laughs> yeah basically there's this famous french chef named marie antoine careme uh, who was known for his love of aspects um he called them froid, which means hot cold so you would prepare everything warm but then you would serve it cold Mm-hmm. Um, and he usually served these aspects, or chaud foie, as massive architectural centerpieces, all of the food encased in glistening jellies. So imagine, like, showing up to this guy's restaurant or whoever had hired him to cook, um, and you show up, and your whole meal, salad, appetizer. <laughs> suspended in jello. <laughs> just suspended in jello on the table, like clear gelatin. We've all seen photos of... You know, the stuff from the 50s just like covered in jello, and like you're yeah. just looking at it and you're like, that looks wiggly and unappetizing. We're gonna actually if that existed today,
1: would be like 500 bucks for a meal.
0: Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. I actually looked up some of his, this uh, chef's, like drawings of what he was doing. They look mm-hmm. beautiful in terms of like what a centerpiece would look like. I just don't know how enticing it would be to eat something. Like imagine eating all of your meals encased in jello well first of all it's too
1: much work i'm not digging through a bunch of goo to get to my caesar
0: salad I, yeah well guess what in the it. 1800s you would have had to if you went to his restaurant okay they had more time back then they definitely had more time <laughs> and they had more money okay well you know more money than you or i we, we would have either been poor or rich and chances probably are it would
1: have been did they, did they have been glasses by then because if not it would have been as well they had glasses by then but not okay. not in
0: the way that we have glasses today We would still have been SOL. Are you kidding? Yeah. Um, Especially if you literally can't see at all. Like, I can't see, you know, nearsighted or farsighted. I I can't. I got nothing. I got nothing. Mm -hmm. Except with these glasses. Tune into YouTube to see my glasses. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good plug. Um, So, okay, let's forget about this French chef. Let's move on. We're in the mid-1800s. There's this guy named Peter Cooper, and he's an industrialist, but he's also a glue magnet. Yes, folks, you heard it here first. He made glue and distributed it. Thank you, Peter Cooper. Uh, So he took all he knew about making glue and redirected some of the production into making pre-made gelatin. Thank God for that, right? Um, So in 1845, he patented the first gelatin dessert mix, a transparent powdered gelatin processed with lemon, sugar, eggs, and spices. Hmm. It didn't do well. Sadly, Peter Cooper did not do well in the Jell-O game. Uh, So in 1897, there's this cough syrup manufacturer named Pearl B. Wait. He too was not doing well with the, the cough syrup manufacturing. He was also a carpenter, and he also manufactured laxatives. He was really just a struggling businessman looking for any. He was trying to do
1: too many things. That's the problem. He
0: just needs to. He just needs to relax, focus on one thing. And I tell you, if he had focused more on the Jello thing, maybe his life would have turned around. Because he eventually ended up selling his, you know, Jello patent to some other company. So hold on. So this Pearl B. Weight trademarked a gelatin dessert called jello spelled j-e-l-l hyphen o um, which at the time was made of gelatin sugar and food coloring his wife actually came up with the name jello with the hyphen of and course. everything by the way just so you know we're talking about men stealing women's ideas <laughs> um her name was may wait so if you want to you know think about who named jello it was may wait not pearl okay may even though Pearl's a great name for a guy uh anyway so The weights could not make Jell-O work. And so they sold it to a food company, the Genesee Pure Food Company. Um, They bought it. And again, it was not doing well. It was not making the company any money uh, until they decided to start publishing Jell-O oriented cookbooks. Go figure. Mm. So then Jell-O as we know it is born. And by 1906, Jell-O sales hit $1 million. So we were doing great. But it's wow. kind of funny because the weights couldn't make Jell-O work. Genesee Pure Food Company couldn't make Jell-O work. It was so bad, it got to the point where the owner of Genesee Pure Food Company was considering selling the trademark for Jell-O to the, his like, you know, um, factory super for $36. Thankfully, he did not, because then Jell-O turned around, people were feeling Jell-O, and it started making them a lot of money. Um, it rose in popularity. Uh, and so the Genesee Pure Food Company decided to double down on its marketing. They continued distributing cookbooks. Um, and now the cookbooks were illustrated by Norman Rockwell. That's crazy. Oh, my
1: gosh. Right?
0: Um, and they also <laughs> featured celebrity favorite dishes. So like, I'm a celebrity, and this is my favorite Jello recipe. recipe. Um, they also sent salesmen out dressed in the best fashions of the time to sell jello door to door and offer jello demonstrations to like local housewives. So you know they they knew what they were doing. They were like hit in the streets. They got the jello in their bag and they're like
1: These hot men trying to sell Jello right? to lonely ladies. They're
0: like, Mrs. Smith, can I come in and show you my jello molds? And she's like, <laughs> Oh my god, my husband's not home. Anyway, this is a PG podcast, I promise. <laughs> um, so they were doing great. jell doing great. By 1923, the Genesee Pure Food Company renamed itself to the Jell-O Company. And honestly, I think it's an improvement. Genesee Pure Food Company sounds yeah, a little mean? sketchy, right? What do you mean? My food's not pure from other places? I don't get it. Anyway, so they're called the Jell-O Company now. And by the 30s, this is where it starts getting wild, folks. The 30s is when Jell-O salads went on the rise. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is where Jell-O made most of its money was during between the 30s and the mid 70s because of this like whole Jell-O salad fad. Jell-O salad, also known as gelatin salad, jelly salad, jelly dish, congealed salad, or molded salad. All of these sound so appetizing. Don't you just want to curl up with a nice molded <laughs> congealed Salad. I love a congealed salad at
1: the end of a long day. <laughs> Me too. They're nice and cold and gooey and just. Mm. I'm not trying to food shame anyone, but you guys, you, listen, listeners will know I don't like. I'm weird with like mushy texture in food. I don't I, mind Jello sometimes, like in the cup with some whipped, uh, cool yeah, whip, and it's fine. But I can do this, that too. this is too much. Cannot no. be mixing with vegetables. Okay, well, <laughs> fine.
0: Uh, a, a Jello salad is made with flavored gelatin. Okay, this is the years when uh, lime jello actually was, you know, introduced. Lime jello was the biggest jello used in jello salads, usually. And usually jello salads were fruit-based. Most of the time they were fruit-based. Yeah. Okay, they, were not, they were not always fruit-based, okay? Um, so a jello salad could also sometimes contain meat and vegetables. Uh, they might also include things like cottage cheese, cream cheese, marshmallows, nuts or pretzels marshmallows i can understand everything else absolutely not (laughs) no yeah the um the cottage cheese thing i can't do cottage cheese on a good day like any day even on a bad no days can i do cottage cheese and certainly not in my jello molded or otherwise okay yeah so then these salads would be molded into intricate rings braids or sometimes into the shape of the food it featured for instance think like a fish shape for a tuna jello salad
1: No, now you guys just have too much time on your hand, on your hands. (laughs) Yeah. So why were jello salads so popular?
0: So they became popular around the Depression, like right before World War II. Um, And it was so that you could prove that you could still entertain and like create elaborate dishes, elaborate, quote unquote, um, despite shortages of food and food rations. Um, And there's an interesting quote I'm going to read to you from a Serious Eats article titled, a Social History of Jello Salad by Sarah Gray. Quote Instant jello was fast, unlike the traditional method of making gelatin. It was economical. A housewife could stretch her family's leftovers by encasing them in gelatin. And since sugar was already included in the flavored mixes, the new packaged gelatins didn't require cooks to use up their household stores of sugar. It was also neat and tidy—a quality much valued by the domestic, uh, the domestic science movement, as well as by its Victorian forebears, who were mad for molded foods. Jellied salads, unlike tossed ones, were mess-free, never transgressing the border of the plate. Okay, no, I feel like you can eat anything, and anything can fall over the side of your plate, jello or not.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Though I feel like we're making fun of this, but we're about to enter into another depression, so we might be making jello molds for all our friends soon too. Oh, dear. (laughs) dear. Uh, We'll come back to this if
0: that happens. (laughs) Yeah, we will will revisit. Um, So Jell-O salads remained popular from the 30s into the 50s and 60s when it was kind of expected of women to cook and care for their families at home while also being efficient with money, ingredients, and time. So with the help of Jell-O, busy wives could basically prepare dinner swiftly with hardly any work at all. Um, So they no longer needed to be like stuck to the stove and cooking for hours. And then there was this whole genre of cooking and cookbooks that emerged during this time, that basically was all about efficiency, Um, but it was also a lot about brands like selling you their products and trying to make you use as many of their products as possible in one ingredient. So it'd be like one can of this, one can of that, and kind of Jello salads uh, are aligned with that, you know, movement Mm -hmm. in cooking, Um, and so like I said. Jello salads had intricate molds, right, that allowed for elaborate presentations. You would basically show your ingredients in these clear gelatins or aspics, um, and then you would use sinkers and floaters to achieve a certain look. So, sinkers are fruits or other adornments that would sink to the bottom of the jello mold, such as canned apricots, maraschino cherries, canned peaches, uh, fresh grapes, those kinds of things. And then floaters are fruits or other adornments that floated in the jello. So, diced apples, sliced bananas, fresh peaches, orange and grapefruit sections, marshmallows and chopped nuts. Those were all floaters. Then what else you could do is you could fold cream or mayo into the gelatin for an opaque appearance. So if you wanted it to be white, you know, like opaque, Opaque. not clear, um, that's what you would do. And then you would finish the whole thing with more adornments of like, let's say, frosting. And it could be, you know, your sweet frosting, so like Cool Whip or, you know, whatever. Or you could do a savory frosting made from mayo or even shrimp. Oh, no. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so here are some titles of recipes from a popular gelatin cookbook from the 60s. Green salad mold, molded avocado and tuna, and jellied veal loaf. No, thanks. I'm you sure good. you don't want one of these? I can make I'm this for your, your next anymore, birthday. <laughs> I know, you, <laughs> no, I know you like your jellied veal. Especially mm. in the shape of a loaf. I'll put it in a cow mold just for you. <laughs> <laughs> Yum. Yeah. Um, and it was during this time, like this popularity of like jello salads and molds and whatever, that Jell O introduced savory jello flavours like celery and tomato. And among oh. other, like, Italian or, like, meat or vegetable-flavored. No! Yeah. They did not last past the mid-'70s, <laughs> so you do not have to worry. Um, you can still buy your, like, regular flavorless Jello and flavor it yourself with any savory flavor, should you want. And yes, Jell-O, we are looking for endorsements. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We're open to sponsorships. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was also during this period that, like, the 50s that we have to thank for Jello Shots oh okay that's when jello shots were invented and you would add rum or vodka and um apparently it was easy to sneak jello shots onto army bases so like you would like someone would make you a lot of jello but they would spike it and then you'd bring it on base and you would eat your oh, jello and smart. get drunk yeah interesting uh by the 70s jello salads were pretty much like can- entirely out of fashion dieting trends were changing uh like, these nutrition campaigns were coming out about eliminating all sugar from your diets. Also, women were entering the workforce, so there was no more moms staying at home trying to, like, figure out how to cook dinner for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. It was either, like, a lot of it, times it was, like, fast food or frozen microwave dinners. Um, and because of the popularity of Jell-O waning in the 70s, Jell-O was like, we need a celebrity to come in and endorse this product. So... Jell-O hired comedian Bill Cosby to be their spokesperson. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, right. I forgot he was a Jell-O.
0: Yeah. And so this relationship lasted over 30 years and was considered one of the longest standing celebrity endorsements in American advertising history. Um, and he helped introduce frozen Jello pops, sugar-free Jell-O, Jell-O jigglers, which are handheld jello snacks gummy type things and then sparkling jello also known as champagne of jello which is a carbonated version of jello um uh, cosby is no longer the spokesperson for um jello obviously he is currently in jail <laughs> so
1: <laughs> that's what happens when
0: you eat jello people okay That turned out like bill yeah um so i'm gonna end with a couple fun facts about jello uh, in 2001, Utah passed a resolution naming Jello the official state snack food. Oh. Um, because I don't know if you know this, but jello and jello salads in particular are apparently hugely popular to the Church of Jesus Christ of latter-day saints, also known They're as really. the Mormons. The Mormons?
1: Yes, they love it, huh. it. they don't talk about that in Book of Mormon, but they I don't believe it.
0: Apparently, jello um, represents uh, traditional fami- family values. Okay. I'm sure there's more to it than that.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, Kraft Foods, who now owns Jell-O, revealed that Salt Lake City has the highest per capita Jell-O consumption. And that the Mormon Corridor region in Utah is nicknamed the Jell-O Belt.
1: <laughs> I did not know any of this.
0: <laughs> so they really like their Jell-O out there, okay? They really like their Jell-O. Uh, have you ever seen the movie The Ten Commandments? It's the one that N- they no. play every Easter. Probably it's some CCD class. You've probably seen it. Well, it's the famous one where you see Moses like parting the Part- Red Sea. Okay. Yeah, um, he actually parted a Red Sea made of Jello. That's what that was, Jello. Ooh, smart, funny, funny, interesting. And then last fact for you: the second full week of February is International Jello Week. Um, so make sure to break out your decorative molds and like get partying. Okay, second week Good of February. Know. Never forget it.
1: Um, in a camp we used to make cake and you would put like jello mix, the powder, in with the cake mix. Mm-hmm. And it actually tastes really good. Yeah. Okay. And the cake would be like marbled with jello.
0: Oh, interesting. I've never But had it that.
1: wouldn't be like gelatinous in the cake. It just gave it a
0: flavor. Like interesting. a fruity flavor. I've never tried that, but it sounds like something that they would make at camp.
1: Yeah. Well we <laughs> should make that in February, second week of February. Oh, great idea. I love that. I love that. And for you us. guys are all invited. What is your favorite jello flavor? I don't I don't know I really don't like jello that much I probably just the red yeah I would do strawberry or blue um, I don't remember the last time I had blue jello I would
0: never have red uh, cherry but red strawberry yes
1: I think it's yeah I think I eat the strawberry one. my parents have it a lot and then they put whipped cream or like cool whip on it yeah um, my grandmother for sure on my mom's side made a lot of jello
0: molds a lot but she was also like a 60s housewife like through and through you go to yeah. her house for a barbecue you got all the the aunts and uncles everyone's really old drinking their cocktails and you got the jello molds
1: on That's the her table. culture
0: okay it's her culture i'm not going to take it away from her so um if you've ever had jello in like a crazy mold or you know family photos of fun jello molds please send them in i would love to see them because they please are some do. of my f- like favorite pictures to look at online they're so grotesque and i say that with love (laughs) i say that with a lot of love
1: (laughs) and that's all i got for jello my topic is from the new york times wednesday september 9th by jacob weisblot and it is 31 across black cat (gasps) something a bad omen or bad luck just omen oh my god so i'm going to talk about black cats and the superstition surrounding them yes let's do it this is amazing okay so for any listeners who don't know i may be a little biased because i am a black cat owner and he sometimes makes appearances on our youtube channel but i'm pretty sure right now he is sleeping in the box where i store my christmas tree so if you hear (laughs) that's his new thing now so if you hear rustling around he's He's there, which I don't know how oh, that's comfortable for him. Can you please
0: divulge his name to the listeners? Uh, yes, his
1: name is Arnold. Um, but after doing my research, I was like, man, there's so many other better names I could have named him. But I named him Arnold so when I came home, I could say, hey, Arnold, because <laughs> I'm a 90s bitch. Okay. <clears throat> so, like I said, I may be biased because I am a black cat owner, but in my opinion, black cats are the best cats. Okay. They're the nicest, the sweetest, the softest. They really are soft. Um, ever so why do they have this like bad association bad luck bad omen They are repeatedly clued in crosswords as being bad luck and bad omens ridiculous
0: okay you cannot yeah. judge a book by its cover i'm just gonna say it you can't
1: no, you can't so where does that come from tell me mm-hmm. now you probably won't be surprised that the idea of a black cat um being bad luck does span multiple different cultures in centuries, okay. as most things do on this, most <laughs> topics do on this uh, crossword podcast, crosscast. but you might be surprised that in some cultures, black cats are actually considered good luck. I am surprised. Okay. Yes. So let's move to those cultures. Yeah. Okay. So why don't we ever say that in a crossword? All right. Yeah, Someone right. put good omen, black cat, good omen. Please. Hello. Okay. Have some more representation in your crosswords. Okay. Before we get to the good stuff, I'm going to go... The bad stuff, and let's we're gonna go all the way back to uh medieval time in Europe in the Middle Ages. Okay, I love it. So, there is a folklore from this time period spread about a man and his son who came across a black cat, and for some reason, they decide to throw a bunch of like stones and sticks at this poor cat, and the cat runs into this woman's house. Now, everyone in the town suspects that this woman is a witch, right so the next day the woman appears in town and she's all bruised and she's limping so people suspected that maybe this woman turns into a black cat at night (gasps) i see Mm -hmm. other theories suggested that during this time people associated black cats with evil and death um, just because they had black fur similar to the way ravens and crows are considered ominous right okay sadly people need to really not yeah. just think that black is like the end color okay it's not even a color first of all so it's my favorite color and it goes with everything <laughs> it does that's the, that is not the reason why i got a black cat <laughs> but he does look good in my apartment I will it's say. certainly on the list yeah um but sadly mass killings of black cats like across europe during this time were prevalent oh, so no. they say to kind of rid the streets of all these bad omens It's an not what is a black cat, by the way? This isn't on my notes. I'm just going to tell you at the top of my head. So, if you don't know, most cats you see are considered domestic short hairs. That's probably like most of your friends' cats are domestic short hairs. That's like your tabby cat with the stripes, um, gray cats, black cats. That's a mutt, essentially. There are okay. pure breed cats like Siamese and Sphinx, but most cats are just, you know, mutts. Okay. So, black cats are actually tabby cats who just have a gene that makes their fur black. That's why sometimes black cats in the sun, you can, like, see some faint stripes and stuff. Interesting. Did not know that. And that's how black panthers uh, exist as well. So black panther is not actually a type of cat. Like, it's not a species. Okay. Um, panther is not a cat species. Panther refers to just a big cat because it comes from the word panthera, which is, like, the Latin root for big cats. So um, This is off the top of your yeah. head. <laughs> yes. So black panthers are most likely, I think, they're usually cheetahs or leopards who just have like a genetic mutation that gives them more um, melatonin in their food. Oh, my so God. So they have black coats. Yeah.
0: This is great knowledge. I love how you can just do this off the top of your head. I am so <laughs> what impressed. What can I say? This
1: girl loves cats. Okay. But then <laughs> if you're like, what about a Florida panther? A Florida panther is just a cougar, if anyone tries to Wake ask me that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, She would know. She loves cats. One. Two. She's also from Florida. So. Exactly. So don't try me okay so this like theme of associating cats with evil and killing them and like thinking they have to do with witches um is seen again during the salem witch trials of course so people thought black cats were witches familiars and would assist them in like their evil satanic deeds so a lot of times witches were persecuted and killed with their black cats so oh. basically if you're a woman during this time and people think you're a witch maybe don't get a black cat get like yeah, a golden I mean, retriever or something cause. it's time
0: to move on from the black cats like yeah. i know they're cute but
1: like we got to put some distance between you and them. Um, okay. So then Cat Sith is a fairy from Celtic mythology, which nice. is popular in Scottish and Irish folklore. And so Cat Sith is a large black cat with a white spot on his chest. And legend has it that the cat haunts the Scottish Highlands. And some I common folklore that. suggests that Cat Sith is not a fairy, but a witch. So there's <gasps> a lot of, like, connection between black cats oh, and I witches. love this. I love yes. this. So... Cat Sith may be inspired by the Scottish wildcat, who is a dark-furred cat, um, or Kellus cats, which are a hybrid of um, the wildcat, like Scottish wildcats and domestic cats. Okay. Only found in Scotland. Amazing. Okay, so some legends about Cat Sith. Some believe that Cat Sith could steal a person's soul before they were claimed by the gods by passing over a corpse before burial. Oh. Therefore, they would have watches called Feel Fadalak, or Late Wake, where people would watch over people's corpses night and day to keep the cat Sith away from a corpse before burial. Interesting. Methods of distraction, such as games, catnip, riddles, and music, would be used to keep the cat Sith away from the room where the corpse was. In addition, there was no fires where the body lay, as it is said that Cat Sith was attracted to warmth. Which is true. If it was a cat, they they do like a warm lap.
0: Yeah, you know what they say. Knock on your, the hood of
1: your car in the winter in case you got a little kitty cat up there. Okay? Yeah. Um, on Samhain, a Gaelic festival marking the end of harvest season, it was believed that a Cat Sith would bless any house that left a saucer of milk out for it to drink. If you did not leave a saucer of milk out... Um, then your house would be cursed into having all of your cow's milk dry up oh
0: yeah no i think it's just better to like leave the saucer out at this point you know might as well
1: you you lose nothing by doing it exactly some people believed that the cat sith was a witch that could transform voluntarily into cat form and back nine times once they go back to their cat form for the ninth time they would remain a cat for the rest of their lives and okay. some people believe this is where the whole superstition that cats have nine lives comes from. Interesting.
0: Interesting. Uh, there is a famous woman who can turn into a cat and back again, and her name is Minerva McGonagall. Yeah, but um, she's a ta-
1: she turns into a tabby. She does not. A black I wish cat. she turned there's no black cats in Harry Potter. What's that about? Yeah, well, J.K. Rowling is wild. So yeah, just <laughs> another thing she got wrong. <laughs> okay. Um, Edgar Allan Poe wrote a story called "The Black Cat." Are you familiar with it? A short I story. Am. Yes. So I'm just going to go over the plot Please of bit. Please um, It's similar to the Telltale Heart where it's just about this crazy man and his guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, so the story follows a disturbed man riddled by guilt. The man is an alcoholic and he has a black cat named Pluto, which is a cute name for a oh black cat. Oh my God, that is actually yeah. adorable. The black cat has a white patch on his chest. Okay, similar to the Scottish folklore. I wonder oh my God, okay. Poe knew about that. um at first they love each other but then uh the man's alcoholism kind of takes over and the man ends up torturing the cat gouging his eye out he eventually kills pluto and his house burns down a bunch Um, of other stuff happens deservedly blah, blah blah blah. yeah okay but then this guy starts to feel guilty obviously but he ends up finding another black cat at a tavern who has a white spot on his chest and happens to be missing an eye, okay? But he knows for sure that he killed his cat Pluto, so what's the deal with this cat?
0: What's going on?
1: Eventually, the white spot on his chest starts morphing into shapes and it starts freaking the dude out. So the man tries to kill the cat, but his wife stops him and, like, leading the man to kill the wife instead. And he hides her body behind a brick wall in his cellar. Well, then the police come to investigate the disappearance of this guy's wife, and they don't find anything. Mm-hmm. On the last day of the investigation, the guy starts feeling cocky. So he leads the police down to the cellar, and he starts knocking on the brick wall by being like, oh, look how sturdy these walls are. Well, when he knocks on the wall, there is an inhuman wail coming from inside. Oh, yes, I'm remembering now. So and the investigators were like, what the heck is that? So they tear down the wall, and they find the wife's body dead. And sitting on top of her head is the black cat with one eye. Because the cat so. knew. So that's I love like that. kind of the, the bad things associated with black cats. But what about the good stuff? The good Tell luck? me the good All stuff. Right. Um, okay. So in Japan is like one of the main places where black cats are good luck. You know, the superstition here is if a black cat crosses your path, it's a bad thing. But in Japan, if a black cat walks towards you, it means good luck is coming your way. And that's not the only incident of black cats being associated with good luck. All of this information is from an article I found on Catster.com called Seven Ways Black Cats Bring Good Luck (laughs) Around the World by Louise Hung. Hung is Chinese, and she says that her Chinese mother, who is a feng feng shui master, specifically puts her black cat Tiptoe, which is a cute name, Tiptoe's bed at the north side of her house to ward off evil. So if you want to learn more about feng shui, you can listen to episode 47, Good Energy and Good Boys, because we talk about, you know good stuff coming in from the north yeah um english superstition says that giving a bride a black cat on her wedding day will bring her good luck in her marriage it's also thought that newlyweds with a black cat in their home will have a long happy life together and the black cat will ward off evil spirits amazing and japanese superstition says that a black cat will bring a single woman many good suitors so arnold (laughs) um can you start working (laughs) yeah (laughs) um and you've probably seen fortune cats uh which are the you know cat figurines with the paw that goes up Mm -hmm. and those are meant to bring good luck wealth and prosperity most of the time they are white but they are also made in black um a bonus for the black ones is that not only do they bring good luck wealth and prosperity but they also frighten away demons evil energy and stalkers so they're doing they're putting in the work it's kind of a better deal than the white cat i would say i mean
0: yet why would you even bother at that point I mean, white cat is cute, too, but, like, if you had to pick, if it came down to it, you're holding a gun to my head, I would go with the black one.
1: Yeah. I mean, you might as well, stalkers. Uh Um, In you would like this. In Norse mythology, the goddess of love, fertility, and beauty, Freya, rides on a chariot pulled by two black cats. Yes. She's the baddest bitch. To win favor with Freya, farmers would leave bowls of milk for her cats, and in turn, she would bless them with a good harvest. Oh. Similar to the you know scottish
0: yeah leave the black yeah. you know the, the milk out for the black cat just do mm-hmm. it and you'll you'll have milk for life but no, actually you
1: shouldn't um feed cats milk because it's not good for them cow milk oh. <laughs> they can't digest it people okay neither can okay, we okay you heard it here first um in theater it is said that if a black cat somehow finds its way into your audience on opening night you will have a long and successful run i had known i knew that one i had known i knew i know that one (laughs) i didn't know that one i mean how often do black cats go to the theater the theater well hopefully Uh, enough black cats can also lead you to treasure french peasants long believed that if a black cat was released at a crossroads or five roads intersect the black cat would lead you to the road that had treasure at the end of it similarly in the folklore of chiloé of southern chile Black cats are needed when hunting for the treasure of the Carmbuncle, which is a small animal that contains riches like lucky, precious stones. Oh, okay. black cats can help you find treasure. Nice. Um, In the south of France, black cats are known as magician cats or money cats it's shown if it is shown the proper respect like being given the first bite of dinner having a nice bed to sleep in or being given a home after their owner's death the cat will reward the person with wealth and good luck
0: that sounds like rumple teaser and mungo jerry to be honest with
1: you (laughs) when i read this i was like did a cat write this (laughs) the first bite of dinner Um, english sailors considered black cats good luck and would take them aboard the ship as ship cats Sometimes their wives at home would get black cats to assure their husband's safe return. Amazing. Um, and then pictures of ship cats are so freaking cute. There's one in particular. This one's not a black cat, but it's like it has a little hammock in the ship where it sleeps because, you know, the ship's rocking. And, oh you know, they're on there oh to God. kill vermin and other yeah. pests. And the black cat, bonus, you get good luck with it. So. Yes. Okay. Um, the chief mouser of the HM <laughs> Treasury in the UK is a black cat named Gladstone, and he does a really good job. Okay. Oh my God.
0: We talk a little bit about chief mousers. <laughs> I think on my presidential pets episode. I yes. don't have the. I don't have the um, episode off the top of my head, but we do do one about pets, and uh, yeah. the chief mouser is, is featured.
1: There are plenty of cats that work every they day. Okay, they do it, and the chief one. Is a black cat and he doesn't oh get the respect he deserves. Okay, he so deserves despite it, all of this, black cats are still considered bad luck in the Western world. They're associated with Friday the 13th, witches, blah blah blah. The space shuttle program, STS 13, made a humorous. <gasps> He's commission. making it. Oh, 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 his tail. <laughs>
0: um, if you are you listening to... via YouTube, this is the moment where. The black cat made an appearance, so come on in.
1: Arnold, <laughs> I'm talking about you. Come here.
0: I did not mean to cut Grace off, but it was a very important moment and a very relevant moment.
1: I think he'll jump up. Usually he's like all over <gasps> me. There you, here me. he comes. Um, okay, so the space shuttle program STS-13 made a humorous mission patch that included a black cat in the number 13, and it's really funny, and I want to buy it and put it onto a denim sweater. Denim jacket. Um, a black cat in fighting stance, which is what I like to call a Halloween cat, wherein they have the arched back and the poofy tail, yeah. um, is used as an anarchist symbol, mostly associated with anarcho syndicalism, which is a branch of anar- an- <laughs> this is a word I can't pronounce. Anarchism <laughs> that focuses on unions and labor organizing. So oh, black relevance. cats are pro union. Yes. Okay, I love this. No god, no masters. Yes. So in um, 2017, the RSPCA, which is the UK like animal rescue place, said 70% of their abandoned cats were black cats. Oh. The ASPCA has said that black cats have the lowest adoption rates. In Why? 2014, Toronto held an event on Black Friday that waived adoption fee for black cats. That's a really cute idea, actually. Yeah, And some, it said that some other shelters had adopted this no pun intended but why are black cats you know why don't they get adopted there are a couple they different should. theories um one because they're associated with bad luck two they're not as flashy as maybe the other cats in the shelter um or i think it's because they don't photograph that well And you I know, think everyone, you're right. everyone wants to put their pets on instagram yep but they, but they don't really photograph cats, that well yeah they have no depth you know because they're all one color but what
0: they do do is they, um, if you have an all black wardrobe or a very black heavy wardrobe, I feel like it's better to have something with black fur than. Oh yeah,
1: I not. mean I can never have a white cat because my black I wear so many black pants.
0: Yeah no, um, I, my dog yeah. sheds all white fur, all over me, all the time. It is like the bane of my existence. So,
1: well, sometimes I think it would be funny to get an all white cat, so I have like an all black one and an all white one. And I'm like, but I can't do that because then it's like what furniture do i get you know You're right yeah, i try and to change your whole wardrobe the of, yeah <laughs> there he goes again um okay however things are looking up all right black cats okay. are starting to become more in vogue witches are in you know the they new are? sabrina whatever yes. black cats are are having their moment and some shelters reported that after the success of black panther black cats were starting to get noticed more
0: oh oh my heart
1: they, yeah <laughs> my heart they do <laughs> i know um they do look like little black panthers though oh um but yeah so i just want to end by saying good luck or bad luck black cats have like the most interesting history of any of these other cats tabbies and whatever i mean no shade to any of those adopt any animal you want but black cats are cool they have a cool history and they look cool and they're the best so preach if you're you're in the market you should get one please please (laughs) thanks for coming to my ted talk (laughs)
0: I love that. We have friends that have gotten black cats
1: recently, so. I know. Out of our friend group, there's three black cats. (laughs) It's amazing. I love it. Yeah. Um, Um, But reading this, I was like, oh my gosh, so many good names. These are my top names for black cats, if Let's do it. Pluto. Perfect. I think. Um, October. Oh, wow. That is really cute. 13 would be a cute name for a black Mm -hmm. cat, I think. Um, Wednesday. You know, Wednesday Mm -hmm. Pugsley. It's Mm -hmm. my dream if I ever get two. Mm Mm-hmm. There's so many I good feel like L- Damien, like the owner. That's a good Damien. one.
0: Luna yep. is a great one for anybody who's a Sailor Moon fan out there. That's a perfect Luna name. Luna is good. Arnold yeah. actually went as Luna uh, for me in a photo last year because I went as Sailor Moon. <gasps> we'll have Halloween. to post it.
1: <gasps> yes, great street, idea. Yeah. Perfect. Um, yeah, another perk of having black cat. There's a lot of good Halloween options, Halloween mm-hmm. costume options it's for true. them. It's true, but also interestingly, most black cats are male. It's or the gene is more common in male cats. Okay. Same with orange tabbies it's also that one is even more commonly male. It's very rare type of female orange. Interesting. Tabby. The more you know. Grace knows a lot the about cats, folks. Trust know. her on this, okay? <laughs> I do. I have all these. A- when I was younger, I was really into animals. So even like from then, I just have all these animal facts like stored That's in my so brain. <laughs> Ask me about <laughs> apes, okay? I Also, really like monkeys and apes and. <laughs> All that stuff. She's like, ask me, ask me. Her her, her
0: DMs are open. That's true. Yeah. So that's great. All I right. love it. I'm so glad you did a topic on cats. I love Arnold. He is so cuddly and just brings a lot of joy to my life whenever I'm over Grace's house, which I have not been over in like it feels like a year, but it's been like months. six months. So I know. I miss Sad. that little boy.
1: Yeah. Soon enough. But yeah. So let's all just agree, black cats are good luck. Okay. Let's, They're good let's luck. Let's change the narrative, guys. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What is it?
0: um oh, a, cultural, a reset? Line? I, oh. cultural reset there's a hamilton
1: line i was gonna say there is it's like <laughs> the narrative. i'm yes, t- it's, uh, like i'm
0: putting myself back in the narrative or yeah. <laughs> like i'm
1: taking myself out of the
0: narrative <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry to our listeners who have to hear that
0: um we love you though thanks for joining us this was a great episode thanks grace for uh you know all your cat knowledge again. Please DM her with any cat questions or ape questions. Cats or apes only. And then any Jello questions you can direct to Chelsea. <laughs> please do, especially if it's related to tuna in Jell-O. because I want to see photos of that. So that's basically mm. the only reason I'm asking. So if you want to talk to us, you can find us on Twitter at the Good Eve Girls, and you can find us on Instagram at the Good Eve Girls. Wait,
1: no. Are we on Good Evening Girls on Instagram?
0: yes i messed up
1: okay <laughs> and then we're on tiktok as the good eve girls and you it's should true. follow us on there because we started posting new stuff yes and other than that that's all we got for you folks that's it and that's all um that's that on that and the, the words of uh
0: drake's father so thanks <laughs> we'll see for you next week <laughs> we'll see you next week